episode 10 of Wavelengths is live now. We have a new guy with us, Ethan Hartley, first time on the show, Yeston Harris, Garrett Coudre, and a game that just ended, Boston Celtics, Brooklyn Nets have a Celtics fan in the house. So, Yeston, how did that one go? Well, um, actually, I, um, I have an interesting stat to pull up on the matter. Um, so did you know that after the conclusion of that game two, I want to die? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, not everybody knows it, but uh, unfortunately, death becomes me. And uh, I'm here right now, but not for long. Can we fact check this? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I, I, I dug up as, as much as I could on the matter. But um, it's a good thing I'm wearing an Isaiah Thomas jersey because we came up short. Um, I, uh, it, it, it was brutal. I, I don't think that I've felt a loss that bad deep in my soul by the end of the first quarter in a long time. Um, yeah, we tried to do exactly what we didn't do last time, which was, uh, I mean, game one, honestly, a defensive clinic. If we'd had a single playmaker out there outside of Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker wasn't playing with, I don't know, like six broken legs or something, um, we would have had uh, that, that, that. We probably would have taken that game home. Jalen Brown doesn't get injured before uh, the postseason begins. We probably take that game home. It was absolutely brilliant. The, the team was well coached, and um, it, it's just credit to the sheer amount of talent on the Brooklyn roster. Um, that we lost that one. This one, we tried to do the opposite of that. We sort of um, try to keep the pace high and just hit our shots and, you know, just outshoot them, which is quite frankly, the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, I cannot comprehend how you can have so few assists in the first half. We're going up against three guys who live in ISO and you get outnumbered on the on the assists that badly i think it was like 19 to 7 on assists in the first half i mean come on you have kevin durant kyrie irving and james harden out there and their lead scorer at halftime was joe harris uh i i cannot overstate how much of a hail mary that game plan was you don't, you know, you don't, you don't try, you don't try out scoring an offense with that many playmakers. You play consistent, solid defense, make good adjustments, and hope that on the other end you can put up enough points to counter them. You know, I mean, you just try to put, try and put as a, as good a cap as you can on that powerhouse starting trio, and uh, just just hope for the best. I mean, uh, that may have been the game plan early, and then when Joe Harris went off, they said, "Fuck it, we're down by X amount, and let's just hope." But um, it was incredibly out of character for Brad Stevens. Um, I could probably say more on the matter, but I feel like I've been going on this for a while. Um, so terribly sorry, both for you and for me in this particular scenario. Uh, yeah, so long story short, we played like crap. Game plan was garbage. I want to die. Questions? I kind of have this analytical stat for you, and I'm not the analytics guy. Ever since they got rid of the coach mask mandate, Brad Stevens is zero and two. So that mm -hmm. thing needs to come back if they want a chance in the series. Um, See, and brilliant. Blake Griffin has duped the entire city or the entire state of Michigan 
what he did to them is an all-time acting job and he's probably going to get a max after this year i don't see why not frankly i hope he does i mean he won't play up to it but i hope he gets one just because i really want people to be mad at him again (laughs) i'm mad that was ridiculous that's ridiculous that dude looked like he was on the verge of retirement like each game like we were like oh this might be the end of Blake Griffin he goes to like Brooklyn all of a sudden it's like he got two new legs and new arms and he's just flying through the ceiling and I was like oh okay that only Blake, Blake Griffin game I've ever seen where he's actually played good was when I think he dropped 50 against Philadelphia like maybe like his second or third game in Detroit mm. yeah, yeah but, you know he's... that's the water in Brooklyn for you makes it <laughs> They're in Northern Michigan, I'd say. Yeah, ever since Jay-Z took over, Brooklyn's just up. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Bucks. Going back to that Boston game. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, going back to that Boston game, I, I remember the last time we were on NBA pod, we were saying the exact same thing, that Boston was a good team, but all their best players were only scorers. Mm-hmm. So their high-tempo offense, when they're just – all their scores are just chucking up shots – that was what we were worried about when we were going to the playoffs. Can they contend with teams like the Nets because all their best players are scorers? And tonight, we saw the worst-case scenario that we brought up when, ta- when talking a few months ago. It literally just came to fruition right in front of us. So hopefully, they start to utilize the players that don't rely as much on scoring and learn from game two. If they have any chance, they have to do exactly what they didn't do in game two, and that is slow it down. Don't let your scores get too crazy and just try and compete. Play Tough, tougher defense. I mean, that was a that was a train wreck. To be honest. Yeah, and uh, I think you're for, you're you're exactly right. I mean, uh, Brad Stevens is a phenomenal pregame coach. He'll draw up a game plan that'll work nine times out of ten. Um, but when things go wrong early, they tend to stay that way. And his, when he's when he's in charge, and I love Brad Stevens. I think he, I I don't understand why people want to get rid of him after one mediocre season because it's not even been a bad year. We've been plagued by injuries in, the, in a pandemic and it's not going well. Um, and yet, you know, he and Ainge managed to build a roster that still competes with high quality teams. I mean, what we saw in game one was a, a prime example of what, what you can, of what we can do with this improvised team that had been hardly played together. I mean, everyone, everyone's been talking about, you know, how the Nets big three had only played three, uh, like eight games together going into the playoffs throughout the course of the season. Um the Celtics have, uh, have hardly played together as well. I mean, at, at every given point this year, we've had two to three guys at least on the injury report. You know, people in health and safety protocols for two plus weeks. Every, you know, half the guys on the squad had had COVID at some point and were out for an extended period of time. Marcus Smart destroyed his leg early in the year. Kemba Walker is Kemba Walker. He can't play. He, he can only play every other game anyway because he's just doesn't have the durability that he used to. Um, Rob Williams is, uh, is the only true center on the roster at this point and um, you know he can't seem to get over his foot injury right now either It's it, this team has hardly played together um, the fact that they can play as well as they do, do is sort of a miracle Brad Stevens is a phenomenal coach but with the loss of Jalen Brown this series went from unbelievably difficult to damn near impossible and uh I don't think you can really overstate his importance to this team. And without him, we are uh, stranded. Uh, we need to see the rookie. We need to see um, Peyton Pritchard and um, Naismith go off, essentially. I mean, they're two phenomenal young scorers um, who play 
mediocre to great defense, depending on the night. Naismith has been unbelievable as of late. Um, Pritchard um, is somewhat of a liability, but when he comes through hitting shots, it's worth having him out there on the court. Um, we just need to find some level of consistency from our rotation and uh, from our bench. You don't, we've had issues with our bench all year, but quite frankly, they haven't been allowed to settle since we've been, we've had so many players absent. No one's had a consistent role. And uh, it's, it's tough to watch because, I mean, you know, I know all these guys can play. They just can't play like this. So I now want to switch to another team that seems lifeless. That is the Miami Heat, who about six weeks ago, everybody was like, oh, watch out for them, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they remembered how to play basketball last night. I don't think they want to play basketball anymore. So, Ethan, is there any chance they come back at all? No. I mean – you know, in the bubble, obviously, they upset the Bucks, and I believe it was six games, and you know it, it was in pretty good fashion. But you know, despite kind of kind of the same roster coming in this year, it just hasn't been that way. I think it's just kind of like the all the memes that they're saying about the Lakers. I think it's the same about Miami. They're just not in Disney World anymore. So <laughs> that's all you could really say about it. But they also really fumbled on the Oladipo trade. I think a lot of people aren't even bringing that up. It's like you know. Well, it was a steal on paper, you know, I don't even think he's played a game. And if he has, it's been like three and he's done like nothing. Yeah, it's sad when you make it in and then everyone's like, oh, watch out. And then you just throw up back to back on spring performances. And you're just like, well, where do we go from here? And then last night we had Clippers Mavericks that went how we all thought it would. Mm. And then Paul George, you know, you, you know what you're going to get with him now. Yeah. It, the I mean, as for the Heat here, um, I think that I, I maintain that this heat, heat, heat team could get hot at any given moment. But the thing about them last year is that they had that short little run right before the playoffs started, that, that little bubble run before they hit the postseason where they got to, you know, gather their, you know, gather their strength, begin to work well as a unit, focus on one thing and one thing only, um, living in a bubble, playing basketball together all of every day. And um, they built great chemistry very quickly and it worked. And um, a full year later, they don't have that same, that same punch. And, um, you know, losing Oladipo, um, I mean, it was a brilliant trade on paper and it was an absolute steal. And I maintain that if it, if it had been, if he, if he if he could play, then he uh, you know then this this team would look much more threatening than they just did. I mean, they, they their first game went to overtime. You know, they're still capable of getting hot at any moment. They're still capable of beating anybody in a seven game series. You just got to win four games out of seven. Um, I know that I make that sound easy, but that's that's to prove a point. I mean, it is really just a few games, and you go into the next round, and you can start all over again. But. Um, this feels a lot that this felt like a, a sort of a purging their sins type game for the, for the bucks. I mean, they, uh, they got, yeah, they got knocked out of last year's Eastern conference semis by this, by this heat team, you know, in a, in, in that, uh, that like five, yeah, five game series. Um, the bucks stole game four, um, narrowly like a, by a shot. Um, but, uh, Oladipo brought something to the roster that the heat needed and they're not the heat. 
that we expected to get without him. So I actually did lie. I I was going to say that the heater is such a, like a scrappy team because (laughs) I mean, they have scrappy players. They have guys, you know, that late round picks, Jimmy Butler for crying out loud. And, uh, they really rode the the underdog mentality through last year. Nobody was really paying attention to him, and all of a sudden, you know, you beat the you beat the Bucks, and you get all the way to the finals, and you, you're you know you're playing the Lakers, and you barely lose. And then they kind of lost that underdog. People knew about him. People were expecting them to take that jump all season. Watch out for the Heat. Watch out for the Heat. And I think, quite frankly, the Bucks are tired of losing to these underdogs. I think they want to go out, and they want it more. I think Giannis has finally said, "I've had enough of this label, this I can't win the playoffs label." And I think. Honestly, I think this year Giannis has played better than either one of his MVP seasons, but the media won't let him win another MVP, so it won't matter. And if they win this series, he's already done better than what he's done in his MVP series or MVP seasons because he's starting to win playoff games and he's t- he's, he's no longer dealing with the scrappy team that's going to knock him out of the playoffs in the first round. He's he's taken over, and I think people need to really watch out for the Bucks if they get confident to come playoff time because I think that's what really was a problem for them the last few years. I actually did lie about the Mavericks Clippers game. That's going to be going on in a little bit, but like the Paul George thing was kind of a prediction anyways, because he's going to do, you know, the bare minimum, but you know, at least we talk about him. So that's cool for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, <laughs> the only big highlight of his career right now we have, that's one, one Mavs or not Mavs, uh, trailblazers nuggets. And mm. what was the, Damian Lillard, I'm going to do everything. Everybody else just watch. But then when we don't win, I get the blame. So, Ethan, what's going on with with Portland? Why do you think they just couldn't do anything last night? I think it's the same thing that it's been forever now, that they're just not playing defense. I mean, they they can't even handle Michael Porter Jr., who I think is severely underrated at this point. I mean, he looks more and more like Kevin Durant as, you know, what he was compared in high school. And, you know, now he's living up to that expectation. And he's just been going off, and they have no answer for him. I mean, Covington's an okay defender, but, I mean, cl- clearly it hasn't helped. As he and Jokic have just gone off. I think Nurkic has done, you know, what he can, but, you know, they have just no answer for this offense. Even without Murray, they still have solid players left and right. And the Nurkic thing is so interesting because, like you said, he did what he can, but I just feel like that there's a potential for him to just do so much more and find he has to find a way to be more physical obviously on a team with uh Damian Lillard CJ McCollum and then at times Carmelo Anthony you're not going to be able to do a lot on offense but at least on the other end you want to see the full maximum effort you can get out of your biggest player you have he has to be that anchor that I feel like Embiid is on defense and he's just not that it seems like every time like he's right there it's when he always gets hurt by doing something like either breaking his hand or his leg or something and yeah, then... i think people need to give aaron gordon oh, i was gonna say i think people need to give aaron gordon a lot of credit for for the nuggets win last night because you've probably seen it all over social media the way he stepped up and said i'll guard dame i'll guard dame and held him to 10 points on two of nine shooting in the second half after dame exploded for 32 points in the first half that could have been one of those signature Dame games where they come from behind and, you know, beat the Nuggets, take a 2-0 series lead, and it's all, you know, it's all over everywhere, Dame time, Dame time. But Aaron Gordon, he prevented that from happening. You know, you hold him to 10 points on on a pretty poor shooting in the second half. And I think people really overlook that of how important defense is, especially when you're playing a guard duo like 
Dame and McCollum, a, a team made to win high scoring back and forth games. And you just say, you're, you're, we're not going to allow it to become a high scoring back and forth game. We're going to lock down your best player so we can hold on to our lead in the second half. And I think they did that perfectly. And I think that's the reason they won. Yeah, with the Nuggets and Jokic especially, I think after the first game, whether it was an overreaction or not, we were like, oh, well, you know, he'll get his MVP, but without Murray, it's not really his fault. But I don't like that idea of, oh, because he doesn't have Jamal Murray, if he still loses in the first round, like, it's okay. He's still going to be the MVP. So you would think that even if he's by himself, he should beat the sixth seed. And especially losing the first game, probably just put a lot of pent up, you know, Dame appreciation and trailblazers hope that they'll actually do something for once to the forefront. And the Nuggets held it down in Denver. And now maybe they have enough momentum to possibly propel them to win the series when a lot of people didn't think they would. Yeah, I mean, we all knew this series was going to be going six games minimum um, right from the get-go. Just because, quite frankly, you can't contain this Portland team forever, but they do have their flaws. I mean, the Nuggets deserve to be the three seed right now. And, um, I mean, they they really are only a a couple teams in the entire NBA that played better than them throughout the course of the season. But, uh, I mean, you're 100% correct. Um, If Jokic is the MVP, then you would expect him to put up the kind of performance that could lift his team through the first round of the playoffs, even missing Murray. I mean, uh, Murray, you know, Murray didn't just go down the other day. I mean, this team has had to, has had enough time to adjust and make them, you know, and figure out how to win. And they haven't been on the descent since he went down either. I mean, Jokic has lifted this team, but you would expect him. You would. You would. You would expect that. Expect this level of play from him. Um, and you. You're right. Losing that first. Uh, losing that first game, I think, put a bit of a fire under them, though. Um, they clearly needed people to step up and make good adjustments, but they're also playing a team that give that gave up 114 points per game throughout the course of the regular season, and uh, which is the second worst amongst playoff teams. These stats per Julian. Um, Julian Alvarez. You may know him from the Wavelengths podcast. Um, he, uh, yeah, this team, this team ha- has everything they need to put Portland away. Um, you know, Portland are going to give up, they're going to make a fight out of it, but the Nuggets deserve to be the three seed. They, they have enough weapons around them, enough, enough both on offense and defense to make this, it, to, to compete with any team in the NBA, they should put them away. And a team, shocked nobody's. I was gonna say I'm shocked nobody's brought up the Grizzlies yet. Yeah, that's that's where they I'm just going not, they just beat the Jazz. They they just beat Steph Curry in, in the play-in game, mm. and then just knocked out the Jazz, in, in the first game. I mean, Jaws playing like the guy that we all wanted Jaw to be. He didn't take the a huge step in his second season. He wasn't bad, but he didn't take that huge step. He's lately looking like he's taking that step. Dylan Brooks looks amazing. Valanchunas is looking like a, a, a great defensive player and a great rebounder, which is exactly what you want from him. Jer- and if Jaron Jackson sucks right now. So if Jaron Jackson starts playing like, like we know Jaron Jackson can play, like, are we, are we thinking upset? I mean, I know there's plenty of articles and I can't remember who wrote it, but somebody wrote an article, like, are the jazz one of the worst one seeds of all time? Like, are we going to see an eight seed upset him? I mean, it's looking like it's possible right now. I mean, Well, the simple answer is that, 
Donovan Mitchell didn't play. So I don't think yeah, you can, true. I don't think you can really put that kind of label on it yet after one game. But I mean, what was it? A three point win? Yeah. I mean, Donovan Mitchell was... obviously has the capability to completely flip that with, you know, dropping probably 30 a game. Yeah, so I'm on a yeah. bit of a hot streak of correctly predicting things on this program. Um, so whatever I say is probably going to be what happens. So no upset. Maybe I'll let them get six. Jazz and six. I think this is a respectable take. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that this Grizzlies team has enough fight in them to win one more. But it, it, quite frankly, it is the, a matter of fact that Donovan Mitchell will come back if for game two, and he will put them away. The, the, this this team is they're literally the number one seed in the entire NBA. You can't you know, with no major faults happening, unless you know. Okay, half the starters have now spontaneously broken their legs in practice. Unless you get some horrific event like that, this doesn't just flip on its head like that. Eight seeds don't beat number one seeds pretty much ever. I uh, I wish I had the stat lined up for it, but it, it, it doesn't happen. There's a reason these teams are one seeds. They're dominant in several areas. You know, they got such phenomenal, consistent performances throughout the course of an entire season. Do you really think that they're going to hit the playoffs and just hit a wall? No. They beat these teams regularly for a reason. Philadelphia did when Derrick Rose tore his meniscus for the first time. I think that was the last time, honestly, when mm. one seed lost. Exactly. Like a catastrophic event yeah. that changed the course of the entire series. It's it, it, you You can't expect that you can't predict that but that's the only thing that's going to stop utah from hammering down on memphis you know they got taught a little lesson here they don't get to be lazy this is the playoffs now they've hopefully they've learned it and they can finish them off donovan mitchell just needs to protect his meniscuses that's that's what we're (laughs) learning right here for the rest of the series he needs to yeah yeah keep his sweatpants on during the game just in case yeah a little bit of extra protection on the topic of the Philadelphia 76ers and Derek Rose, both of those teams are in action tomorrow. So, Ethan, if you want, just say the final score that the 76ers win by, and then I think we'll have that covered. 20. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, that's like yeah. not too far out there. Kind of hard to like disagree with. 20. They'll win by 20. I mean, I can see it, yeah, but. They're either going to win by 20 or they're going to lose by 20 because both those teams are the biggest boomer bust teams. They're playing each other. Like, it, it's, it's Washington's weird best chance it. was game one when MB went yeah. out with fouls early and Simmons was as passive as he's ever been. That's not going to happen yeah. every night. I mean, maybe Russ goes off for like 45 in a game, but yeah, I'm like 38 shots. So. <laughs> yeah. But he'll be playing or he'll be against Ben Simmons, which. Is my defensive player of the year. Yeah, I can agree with that, no doubt. I, I can disagree with the def- with the Ben Simmons depoy. Um, I can disagree with that pick, but I can agree that the Phillies, Philly, Philly really did. Yeah, if Washington were to win a game, it would have been game one because of. Those. I mean, just like how Boston, if they were, we 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 should have won game one just based on the the ridiculous defensive performance you put up. I mean, in order to beat a high ranking top seed, you know, a real, a real threat of a team. You need to, you can't just play the best game of your life. You also need them to be playing the worst game of their lives. There is such a, such a massive difference in town. This isn't a four and a five seed playing each other. I mean, speaking of players, I won awards. 
none other than Julius Randle winning most mm. improved today. Going to get some MVP love. So, like, the Knicks got to win tomorrow. I mean, de Blasio was talking about Trey Young, which, you know, could. And then a bunch of Knicks fans are going to wear bird stuff because, of course, Trey Young's afraid of birds. So, <laughs> I mean, like, Knicks in five, right? I mean, that's just what happens when playoff basketball comes back to the Garden. I think this is exactly what the NBA needed right now. And that's, this is going to be the best series in the first round is the Knicks versus the, the Hawks because the Hawks are an explosive team and the Knicks are an explosive franchise. And it's, I think it's going to be a great series. I think game two and game three, game four, all the rest of the series is going to be just like game one. It's going to be really heated. And I'm calling it right now. There's going to be a fight at some point in that series. And the Garden's going to play a huge role into it. So. Yeah, it's called the entire state of New York versus National Basketball Association yeah. referees. Mm. Yeah. But, like, I talked about that Sunday. So, Ethan, if you have any other words on this that won't come from a biased frame of mind, please. I clown the Knicks a ton. And even I was – it was pretty – I'll admit it was pretty cool to see that Madison Square Garden was going crazy. But, I don't know, those playoff haircuts for Gallinari and Trey Young, I, <laughs> I, I think I might have to take the Hawks solely based on that. Yeah, all right. Gallinari. Not where I thought you were going with that, but I mean, you know, not everyone's going to be on board, but you know, you'll all see. So switching gears a little bit from basketball, I do just want to mention for those of you who haven't heard, Greg Olson's son, TJ, might need a heart transplant. I just wanted to bring that up. Um, Thinking about his son, Greg Olson's a great guy who's going to do great things after his playing career. And he's been very involved with causes like this for most of his career, getting nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. So I just hope for him and his son that uh, they're able to have success and hopefully everything works out for the best for them. So unfortunately, I did have to bring that up, but it brings up an interesting segue for Yeston. The Sports Wave does have a new project coming up, if you would like to tell us a little bit about that. Right. Um, so the project we're working on right now is uh, it's a new pod coming out. Um, my name is Sideline to Sideline. Um, it's exclusively uh, TSW ownership and some of the best minds from within our, um, our exceptional draft team, um, who you may have seen their, phenom- their absolutely incredible coverage that they put up uh, through the course of the pre-draft process this year. And the fact that they continue to pump out content even after the draft's over. Um yeah, it, it, it's uh, an, inter- an interesting union of a lot of the most informed football minds inside of the sports wave. And uh, yeah, it's coming, uh, coming real soon. Should be early, early June. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of great content for you on there. So come check it out. Yeah, so basically without saying it, you brought up Tolva. So, like, if you just <laughs> totally. want more Andrew Tolva in your life, but, like, now you get to hear him, too, be sure mm. to check it out June 9th, Sideline to Sideline on Twitter. So, yeah, that should be a very good project. And then a lot of basketball still to come. And Garrett is going to be a graduate tomorrow. So good job yeah, studying sure. and uh, showing up. 
I, I mean, thank yeah, you, I, thank you. That's all you have to do, really, right? You just like show up, you yeah, like put I your mean, name on a few things. Yeah, just you know, copy a few people, get this done, get that done, you get to walk with a little little fancy hat on. That's basically where we're at right now. Although I do have to wonder, after all that time that you spent, you know, learning stuff to get to the point where you got to graduate, how did you not learn how to put up a virtual background? What is that? Hey, man, this is is not virtual. This is, okay, first of all, (laughs) shout out my neighbor, Mark, okay? He, on draft night, he saw it and he saw the little thing I had set up. He's like, you need a, you need a a fake background. He sent me these and this is, this is a, uh, a, a little tarp and I got it set up. I thought he did a pretty good job. Yes. I, you know, I didn't really appreciate you calling me out like that, man. <laughs> well, but, I had to, I had to, I see the little clips hey, no, in no, the no, corner. You know, I'm kind of flipping around, you know, but we don't, we don't worry about that, man. You know, yeah, I'm in an office. Yes. And if anybody asks, I'm in the office right now, talking, <laughs> talking up some NBA playoffs. Right now. Mm-hmm. Next, you're going to put on one that's all grass and you're going to be outside. Right? I actually have, I have a beach one and I'm going to oh. bring that out next podcast. Yeah. So next time you guys have me on, make sure you remind me to put up the beach one. Cause I like that one a little bit more, I think, but. Yeah. Something that you need for yeah. next time. Yeah. This was the, this was the, the pilot episode. This was the warm up round. Didn't, didn't want to get too crazy and go to the beach on that, you know. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, this is his workplace, right? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, it's be too your, casual now. With your impending graduation, what's the powerhouse of the cell? Mitochondria. I don't know what a credit hey! score is. I don't know what a credit score is. I don't know how to pay taxes. <laughs> Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, though. That's all that and matters. Pro- I mean, probably like a bad thing to just like admit that you don't know how to pay taxes because like, hey, who hey. did know how to pay taxes though? Really? Yeah, but like, like you, yeah. don't, you don't like say that out loud though because the IRS <laughs> Bro, doesn't I know, know like when this will be are. I I know what student loans are. That's great. <laughs> yeah, uh, they like to teach you all about those. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're learning quickly what those are, but uh, nothing else really. Yeah, mitochondria and student loans. That's about all I got. Mm. Eight, 18 years old, by the way. <laughs> But all we got. So that is going to be all the time we have for episode 10. We will have some more NBA coverage later on in the week. Probably when the Wizards are on the brink of extinction, I'll have Deontay here. He'll share his thoughts, probably not talk a lot. Ethan's just be laughing somewhere about it. Um, <laughs> I'll talk about the Knicks. Maybe we'll get Wayne Diesel because he'll definitely give me something oh. that everyone will want to hear. Yeah, Wayne will have something. It also depends, like, how it goes, though. Like, I I might not even want to talk about it, so I wouldn't want to subject him to that. (laughs) If if we're really lucky, we'll get the Celtics and the Wizards eliminated on the same night. We can just have Yeston and Deontay on, and we can all just shut up. Yeah, Yeah, no, we can have just Ethan here just, like, throwing out stats, being like, yeah, Embiid didn't even play that well. And, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you want to – I don't think you want to see – uh, you know, game post game four or five Celtics and post game four or five Wizards fans. I'm trying to give us credit and give us a win in these series, guys. Yeah, um, I feel, I, yeah, you don't want you don't want to see us then. It'll just be a lot of screaming and crying. At the Sportswave official at Wavelengths Pod, the Sportswave.net slash apply. Big thanks to Ethan, Yeston, and Garrett, and we will see you guys on the next one very soon. <laughs>